I believe that is all I have. Um, and so we're going to go ahead and jump into the message this morning. Uh, we're actually going to be finishing up our series on Accept No Lies. Um, and, and we're going to kind of use this morning kind of to put a bow on the end of this series. And we've been kind of talking about this concept of, of the lies that we are told, the lies that we not only are told to ourselves or, or how other people can tell us these lies or even the enemy can tell us, but how at times we accept them. Okay, Because here's the thing, you can't prevent others from lying to you. You can't prevent the enemy from coming and spilling, uh, you know, just garbage into your, to, into your mind, but you do have the right to accept it or not. And a lot of times, unfortunately, as people uh, that, that follow Jesus, I've seen it over and over and over again, we tend to accept the lies. We tend to allow those lies to come and penetrate our lives. And then it's kind of like wearing a pair of sunglasses. We kind of put those on and everything that we see goes through the lens of the lies that we have accepted. We talked about this idea a couple weeks ago about uh, accepting some lies that we tell ourselves. And, and, and all of these things, God wants to bring some freedom to. He wants to bring some truth to. And so as we kind of finish up this series together, um, we're going to start again in kind of John 8. John 8 has kind of been kind of our text uh, chapter, I guess, for this uh, series. And so we're going to jump in. We've, we've talked a couple, of, a little bit about some of these verses, um, but before we do, let's, let's pray. Father, we love you. We do thank you for this time and this morning and this opportunity to come and just look at these things. Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts to what you desire to help us to see. And that, Father, more than anything, that, that as, as I share, that God, my words would just stop and that yours would begin. Because, God, we need your words. My words aren't powerful. They're not going to do anything. But God, your words literally change everything. And so that's what we need. That's what we desire. And that's what I desire. And so God, we ask that you would just come and do that in our hearts and in our lives today. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be in John uh, 8 this morning. We're going to kind of look at this. This will kind of be our springboard as we kind of jump into a little bit of what I feel God has laid on my heart to kind of conclude this series. So John 8, uh, we're going to start with verse number 31 and go to verse 36. It'll be up on the screen behind you. But here's what it says, okay? We're going to kind of read it and I'll stop a little bit, break down some things, and then we'll move on. It says, when Jesus said to the people who believed in him, uh, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Several weeks ago, we talked about this verse and how in a lot of ways this truth is obviously following what God's word says, but also it's understanding who the truth really is. Jesus called himself the way, the truth, and the life. And so to be a true believer in him, to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to follow the, the teachings of the scriptures, but also we need to be following the, the man that those, teacher, that those scriptures are about, which is the man and the God of, of Jesus Christ. And so in that, we, we see that. So he makes this statement to this group of people. Now, in the context of John 8, he's speaking to several groups of people. He's speaking to, as you saw here in verse 31, this idea of people that believe in Jesus, but there's also other people around that are not quite so keen on what Jesus is selling, if that makes sense to you. And we kind of see them come up here in verse number 33. It says this, it says, But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Now it's interesting here. 
Because as we look here at this verse, we see something that really the lies of the enemy, the lies we tell ourselves, the lies that others tell us, how this can affect us in such a negative way. Okay? Jesus has just helped them to understand, listen, if you want some true freedom, if you want a freedom that will change everything, it is found in me, is basically what Jesus is saying. And his hearers are seeing something completely different. And they basically spew a lie that is just absolutely ridiculous. This is what they say. They say, listen, we're sons of Abraham, which to a Jewish person at this time is massively important. Okay? Because of time, we're not going to get into it. Just trust me. This was a statement that basically was kind of like them putting their thumbs in their suspenders and being like, you know, we don't need what you're selling because we're basically this individual. Okay? And so Jesus, and they take one step further and says, listen, we don't need your freedom because we've never been slaves. Exodus happened for a reason. Okay, okay. If you look at Jeremiah, Isaiah, the prophets, if you look at Daniel, Daniel was, they were taken into slavery. Okay, a lot of the Old Testament, if you really look at it in the Jewish history, is a situation of the, the people of God, these, these, these children of Abraham being in captivity and then God getting them out of captivity. That's what lies do. You ever had that situation where you're talking to somebody and they are so deceived? It's like they're going, oh, seriously, I, I, I'm not standing here with a flannel on right now. Are you kidding me? I'm wearing a polo shirt and it's 98 degrees outside. No! That's what, that's what lies will do. So they look at Jesus. They're looking at the truth and they say, we've never been slaves. You see, here's the thing too. ...that lies can do. They, they blind you from what you really need. When you lie to yourself or you accept the lies of the enemy... ...listen, here is literally standing before them... ...the way, the truth, and the life. True freedom. And they basically look and go, I'm not interested. That's why this series is so important. This is why we can't accept these lies... So Jesus continues the verse number 34. It says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. So here at this point, Jesus is beginning to say, listen, you're missing this. You're being deceived by lies. And he's trying to help them see the truth. Listen to what he says, verse 35. It says, a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. Okay. And then we have a verse that many of you have heard before. So, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Now, I want you to stop and we're going to take a, just a minute here to dissect what this is saying. Because this is one of those things that we've heard a lot, but we always don't understand exactly what Jesus is saying here. Okay? So, in the context of what's happening, okay, the people have just looked at Jesus and said, listen, we don't need your freedom. We don't need what you're selling. We have everything we need. And they're basing that on this concept that they are sons or children of Abraham, which in their understanding meant something great. Okay? So they're like, I, we don't need this. We're not, we're not in bondage, basically. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. You're a bondage to sin. Okay? 
And everyone who sins has that problem. So in this context, we have this understanding that Jesus is basically saying, we're all in problem. We all got some issues. We all got some, some situations. Paul talks about that. says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We get that. So he's communicating that to them. But now, if everybody's a sin, if everybody's a, a slave to sin who sins, there's only one individual at this particular time who's not a slave to sin. It has to be the only one who hasn't sinned. And so Jesus here is saying, listen, you, have, you can't be, you can't get freedom if you're a slave. The only way you can get freedom is if a son sets you free. See, a lot of times what we miss on this is we think as slaves to sin, we can do enough, be enough, experience enough, fake it enough, where we can somehow get out of our slavery. That is not what happens, and it can't happen that way. A lot of times we find people, even in the church, who says, if I can just be good enough, or if I can just do this or do that, then I'll be free. And Jesus is saying, listen, you can't. You're, it's not possible. You're not a part of the family, is basically what Jesus is saying here. So therefore, you don't have the authority or the right to declare your freedom. He said, there's only one person that can declare your freedom. And it's not found in Abraham, and it's not found in what you've done, or what you haven't done, or how you've lived, or how you haven't lived. It's simply found in the Son, who has the right to basically communicate that concept, that if He sets you free, then you are truly free. And a lot of times in our hearts and our lives, we forget that. We forget that. And here's the thing about this story. In this story, we see God being there, God wanting to share truth, but unfortunately the individuals there are believing a lie. And here's the thing that's interesting about that. Remember who's hearing the statements? People that don't necessarily believe, but also the people that do believe. Here's the thing I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could say, Dan, the minute you accept Jesus, the minute you give your life over to him, man, the lies from the enemy cease. But they don't. They don't. At that point in time, in fact, I would say the lies increase because the enemy is at this point going, listen, listen, I, I'm not happy with the situation here. I'm not happy with what you've decided to do and who you've decided to follow. And so, in fact, the lies come sometimes harder and, and more, more intense and more often. This morning, as we kind of close out our series, as we kind of look at all these things and try to kind of put a bow on it, today I want to look at, I want to speak specifically to believers. Now, for those that you that maybe aren't believers, maybe online or here, listen, your moment will come, okay? But, but for today, I really felt like we need to look at this because I believe that there are some lies that the enemy is telling believers and we're accepting, and because of that, we put on these glasses and these lenses, and we don't understand why we're seeing everything so unclearly when it comes to the freedom that Jesus wants to give us. In some ways, we're kind of like those in the story. We're kind of saying, I don't need the freedom, or, or you know what, I'm good the way I am, or I don't need to grow, or whatever it might be. And so this morning, I want to look at three separate lies that the enemy tells. In fact, it's in your notes. I believe that these are the three most repetitive lies that the enemy wants the people of God to accept. Okay? So these are the three lies. And again, I'm, when you hear some of this, you're going to go, wait a minute. Really? Yeah. Even as believers, that the enemy wants you 
to accept. So we're going to look at the lies, and then, thankfully, we're going to look at the truth. So here we go, lie number one. Lie number one that the enemy tells people and believers and then wants them to accept. Number one, you are guilty. You're guilty. And that might seem strange to us because when we accept Jesus and we ask him to forgive us of our sin, we, 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 we're, 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 our sin is wiped away. Remember, we've talked about this so much, this idea. Maybe it's because it's got a Christmassy time. I don't know, it sounds Christmassy or white and snow and it's getting cold out. But, but we've seen this where Jesus says, listen, I'm going to take your sins that are like scarlet and make them white as snow. But the problem is I have seen it over and over and over again. I know I've experienced it in my own life where Christians who have been forgiven walk around with guilt and shame. Some of those guilt and shame is put on them by, by others. Sometimes it's by themselves. And they're walking around with this guilt, this shame that they just can't seem to get past. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody do this. Um, I definitely have. And I, I've never done it because I try to not do crazy things, um, even though I fail a lot of times. But, uh, you know, I've, I've been out riding my bike, which maybe some of you would go, well, that's crazy. Anyway, I'm out riding my bike and I'll see guys or gals running around with backpacks on. And you go, why? Listen, I mean, are you afraid you're going to run out of food? Like, what, like there's a gas station right there. What are you doing? And, and, and I've actually asked people, I haven't done it here, but I actually asked back in Albuquerque, what do you, why are you have, what do you have a backpack on? And the guy told me, said, oh, well, I'm training for the police academy. Uh, I had another guy tell me, oh, I'm, I'm in the military or whatever. And they were, they were literally putting weight in their backpack to run around on, you know. So they were like, oh, I got 40 pounds in my pack. I've seen other people that are maybe going to go on a long backpacking trip. And they would pack down their backpacks so that they would be ready for the hike that was to come. You see, the thing is, in a lot of ways, as Christians and even as non-Christians, when we take the guilt and the shame that Jesus took away from us, it's literally like what we're doing is we're putting in literally poundage in a backpack, putting it on our shoulders and running around with it. I have said, listen, it's almost like I can see a physical manifestation of a spiritual situation when it comes to guilt and shame. Like literally, I see people and they're walking around like this. It's like you can almost see the weight on their shoulders. It's guilt and shame. And here's the thing. And this is in your notes. We're going to kind of, you'll see how I broke this down as we go. Listen to what this is because this is kind of how it works. This is many of us believe we are guilty because the enemy takes the truth of your past and then he deceives you about your future. Okay? So, so here's how the enemy works. We've talked about this before. The enemy is not going to tell you some bold-faced, stupid lie that you'll never believe. He is going to, a lot of times, take a little bit of truth, and he's going to wrap it up in a lie, or vice versa. Okay? And so it sounds good, it sounds right, it sounds okay. And so what the enemy is going to do when it comes to guilt and shame is he's going to tell you the truth about what you have done and who you've been. He's not going to lie to you. Listen, the enemy, I'll just speak for myself. I won't speak for you because I'm sure you're not this way. But for me, he's got a plethora of opportunities to talk about all the horrible things I've done in life. He's not going to have to sit there and go, oh, boy, this is really hard to find something hard or terrible that Aaron did in his past. Oh, there's plenty. He's got ample supply. And so he's not going to say, hey, Aaron, don't you feel horrible about that person you killed? Nope, because thankfully I haven't killed anybody. But he's going to say some truth that I know is true and he knows is true. 
And he's going to say things like this. Aaron, you can't speak on that. You can't share those words because you struggle with them. How can you talk about freedom when you're not really free? How can you talk about being this way or that way when you failed so many times in those same areas? And you know what I tend to do? I tend to basically get my backpack out and I put my guilt and I put my shame and I put it on and I go, yeah, you're right, enemy. I don't know if I can talk about this or I don't know if I can share this because, because of what I've done in my past. And we feel guilt because of what we've done. We feel guilt and shame and we've forgotten the truth. Because here's the thing, we're going to see it in just a minute, what the truth is. But we see it, look here with me, in Romans 8.1. In Romans 8.1 it says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You want to talk about a short verse that literally changes everything. Condemnation is a word that is really encapsulated with this idea of guilt and shame. What Paul is telling the Roman church at this particular time is this. He doesn't say, listen, there can be some guilt and shame. He doesn't say there's guilt and shame because you did this because it's so bad. He said there is now zero. None. What does this mean? It means if you accept the lies of the enemy that you're guilty, you are literally doing something that Jesus came and died for so you didn't have to do it and you're doing it anyway. You're literally taking that backpack and you're filling it in with something that Jesus came to die for so you didn't have to deal with. And he says, listen, there is now none, zero. What does that mean? It's simple. It means even if you're walking around with 1% of guilt and shame, you don't have to. But remember, this is specifically for those that believe in him. If you're walking around and you don't know Jesus, you know what? I'm telling you right now, you're walking around with guilt and shame. Some of you don't even understand how that's working. You don't know what's going on in your heart and your life. But I'm telling you, that's what is taking place. And so because of Romans 1.8, we need to understand the truth. And the truth, number one, to go against that lie is simply this. You are free. You are free of your past. You are free of your present. You're free of your future. You are free. Not because of who you are or because of what you have done, but simply because of what Jesus has done in you and through you and for you. Listen, we all have a past. We can all sit there and we can, we can sit at lunch here in about 30 minutes or whatever and we can all unpack all the horrible things we've done. Wouldn't that make a great lunch? Hey, instead of thinking about things we're thankful for, let's, let's talk about all the horrible things we've done in life. Listen, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But Jesus came and he's forgiven it all. He has wiped it all clean. We don't have to live that way anymore. We don't have to live with guilt and shame. Because he's made us free from it. Look at Romans 6, 22. In Romans 6, 22, listen to what it says. But now, now you are free from the power of sins, sin and become slaves to God. Remember back in John 8, Jesus talked about this idea of being a slave to sin. Well, now that God has come and Jesus has done his work, now we don't have to be slaves to sin. We don't have to worry about that. Now we can become slaves to God. Now you do the things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Listen, hear me here. Some of you this morning need to start walking around in some freedom. Seriously. It is time to take off the backpack. 
If you are walking around in guilt and in shame, hear me, you are accepting a lie of the enemy. Let it go. Let it go and put it down. You're free. You're free. Number two, lie number two, you're cursed. You're cursed. I use that word on purpose, but, but in, in a lot of ways, when I kind of hear that, that word cursed, what I kind of mean and is, is this idea that we, we feel like we're doomed to fail. You ever, you ever have a situation like that? You ever met somebody like that? You ever been that way? Where they're just kind of like, they just feel like, yeah, God will, God will do something great in other people's lives, but not mine. You know, God will, God will heal this person, but not me. God will, God will, God will save uh, this person's finances, but not mine. This God will work in, in their family or in their marriage, but, 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 but not in mine. I'm, I'm, almost, I'm doomed to fail. I'm doomed to fail. I'm cursed. I'm cursed. Here's how this works. It's in your notes. Many of us believe we are cursed because the enemy takes any, any trial, difficulty, hurt, or pain and deceives us into believing God is punishing us. Okay. And so we walk around with this idea that, that, that we're cursed. We kind of walk around with this idea that we're doomed. We kind of walk around with this idea, whether it be in, in our normal life or in our spiritual life, that if there is anybody that's going to stub their toe, it's going to be me. That is a lie. And, and I use, listen, I use the word punish on purpose because I want to I break down a theology type of, uh, of understanding that I find is, is very rampant in the church, okay? And, and I want us to understand this because I've heard it literally for years. And it is this concept that God is now punishing me, okay? I, I want us to understand. I've talked about this before, but I want us to understand this. I, I literally want us to be a family and a church that truly understands this concept because I do believe that God wants to use us to help others understand this, okay? Everything, God's wrath, Okay, basically the penalty for all the sin and all the rebellion and all these things. Okay, God poured out on his son on the cross. Listen, everything, every sin, every deceit, every lie, it was all poured out on him. When that took place, the payment was made. Okay, it's paid. It's done. We're going to get into, I don't want to jump ahead. Just know it's done at that particular moment. We understand God as being a God full of justice, and we call him, he's a just God. If God would pour it all, all, all out on his son and claim that he was satisfied with the sacrifice, therefore we could now be saved and walk boldly into God's presence, and then he punished you, God would then be putting his wrath on you as well, and therefore God would be unjust, and therefore the sacrifice of Jesus would not be enough. Do you understand why this is so important you get? Because basically what you're saying, I know you're not meaning to say this, but you're saying this, you're basically saying Jesus wasn't enough when Scripture totally tells us he is. Well, but Aaron, what about all the trials I go through? What about all the hardships I go through? What about all these things? Hey, listen, Jesus promised that you're going to go through hard times. Also, Jesus promises this, that he will discipline those he loves. 
a lot of times what we do, unfortunately, is we mistake God's discipline and we think it's God's punishment. We literally think this. Yes, God, I am forgiven. Yes, God, you have forgiven me. But you're still going to get me for all the bad stuff I've done. When God says it's gone. The payment has been made. You're not cursed. You're not being punished. God doesn't punish us. God does discipline us. But he does it as an expression of his love for you and for me. Look at this. Listen as we get into this truth. Look at Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 13 through 14. But Christ, listen. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Okay? Christ has rescued you from that. The curse has been broken. Okay? You have been rescued by that. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. What is Paul trying to get us to understand here? He's basically saying, listen, you're not cursed. The curse was poured out on his son when that, was, that, that price was paid. It was all there. The curse has been broken because of what Jesus has done. So if that's the case, if we're not cursed, what are we? Truth number two, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're not cursed. You're blessed. Now, what does that word blessed mean? A lot of us look at, oh, that means my bank account's going to be full. Or that's going to, no, 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 no. That's not what blessed means. Blessed means that you're favored. Oh, listen, I would rather be favored than blessed any day. What does that mean? It means this. Listen, I, I still, I told you this before. I love doing this to my son because he lights up. If you don't do this to your kids, please do it. It'll change them. I literally walk up to him. And it's easy for me because I only got the one, okay? I'll tell you how to do it if you got more than one. It's just a second. I walk up to my son, I'll say this. I'll say, Easton, you're my favorite. You're my favorite. And you just, I mean, I'm my dad's favorite. If you got more than one kid, you know, you're my, if I had more than one kid, I'd say, say, you're my favorite Easton. Out of every Easton, you're my favorite. You're, you know, maybe you only have a boy and a girl. You're my favorite son of everybody. You're my favorite. You're favored. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the God that spoke the very world into existence looks at you and goes, you're my favorite. You're my favorite. Blessing and favor is who you are. Don't believe the lie that you're cursed. The curse has been removed. The curse has been broken. Listen, I, I hear a lot about, hear me here, and I, I might make some people upset with me, but just go, I just, this is what I believe. I hear a lot of people talk about generational curses. Okay, listen, that's old covenant stuff, guys. The curse is broken. You don't have to, we're, oh, well, my dad was an alcoholic. My grandpa was an alcoholic. I'll be an alcoholic. You know, there's freedom from that, and it's found in Jesus. Now listen, if you don't find Jesus, yeah, you're, you bet that curse is going to continue. But there is a new covenant that God has put into place. Those curses are broken because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. You're blessed. Look at Psalms 23. We've heard this verse so many times. Psalms 23, 6. Surely. It's like David, as he's writing this, he's like, he's like you know, he uses the word surely. And it's like, I, 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 he's like, this has got to happen. 
Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Wow, surely you're favored, you're blessed, you're not cursed. Don't accept the lie. Number three, the last lie. We're told you're finished. You're done. You're done. Your finances are finished. Your marriage is finished. Your relationships are finished. Your abilities are finished. Yeah, maybe you could have done that one day, but, but today, you're done. You're done. In your notes, many of us believe we are finished because the enemy wants to convince you that your best days are behind you, not in front of you. That thing you've been praying about, never going to happen. That, that individual that you, you've poured into their heart and their lives that they would find Jesus, you know what? They're never going to find Jesus. And he just, he just constantly will hit you over the head with this concept. I've seen it over and over and over. Hey, listen, I need you to help me with this. Or, hey, do you think you can move into this area? Oh, I, I, I could never do that. Well, well why not? Well, I don't, I don't understand. Well, I, I, just, I just couldn't do that. I'm not, a, I, don't, I don't have the abilities to do that. You know, when, when you say that, what you're saying is basically kind of this. You're basically saying, I am not going to grow anymore. I'm not. Because... Because I can't do that. It's basically a way that we accept this concept that we're done. That everything is finished. And it's a hard one to overcome. None of these are easy. But it's a hard one to overcome. But listen. Look at what it says in John 19. In John 19, the second part of verse 30, this is what it says... Jesus says, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, we've talked about this before, but just in case you don't know, when you go back and you kind of look at what Jesus was communicating and the words that he was using and the, the translation, we get this idea of finished. But there's a greater understanding of it. In it, we, we really understand this concept of basically being paid in full. And we also get this kind of a expression of a victory shout. Okay? Now, I don't know if you've ever run a race or, 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 or ridden in a race or, or, or seen anybody that does this. But I, I have seen this before. And, is, is, and usually it's pretty intense and it's pretty awesome, you know, where, where someone will finish the race. And as they cross that line, they just, they just let out this guttural almost just like, yes! I mean, they did it. They accomplished it. Listen, I wasn't there. You weren't there. But I have a feeling knowing that John was. John was one of the disciples that was at the cross. And this comes from his gospel. So he used a word that gives us this concept of just like this, this guttural victory shout. Like if you have this picture in your mind that Jesus is hanging on the cross and he just, 
It is finished. I'm telling you right now, it's not what scripture tells us. Jesus literally, and before this, you need to understand something, okay? Like Jesus knew this was big, okay? If you look at the beginning of John 19 or right before he verbalizes this, he literally asks for something to drink. Now, Jesus is getting ready to die. Why would Jesus go, I'd like to die with, a, with, with, with not a parched mouth? You know, he's going to give up his spirit. A lot of theologians believe, and I do too, that Jesus wanted that drink because he wanted to have a nice, ready voice to proclaim what he was about ready to acclaim. Because here's the thing you need to understand. Jesus just wasn't speaking to himself. When Jesus said, it's finished, he wasn't just speaking to him. He was speaking to me and you through the ages. He was speaking to the enemy. And he was basically saying, you know what? It's done. It's paid. It's finished. It's paid in full. It's accomplished. And it's done. Truth number three you need to understand is you're not finished. But my sin and my enemy is finished. And I have eternal life in Christ. When he shouted out, it's done. The truth is not you're done. The truth is your sin is done. The truth is your enemy is done. The truth is death is done. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. I love these verses. They're so powerful and so good. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Remember, it's that victory shout. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For the sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But verse 57, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. When he was shouting it was finished, he was saying, you know what? Your sin is finished. You know what? Death is finished. You know what, enemy? You ultimately are finished. You're done too. That liar, that, that, that father of all lives that deceives us, he's done too. Listen to what it says in Revelation 20.10. After all the lies that you've been told and all the lies that we've experienced and even accepted, look what happens. Revelation 20.10. Then the devil. And what does he do? He who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, sulfur joining the beast and the false prophet. And then I like, listen, maybe I'm a bad person, but I, I'm just sick of the enemy. I like the end of this verse. There they will be tormented day and night. And just so you get the point, forever and ever. God smack talking. Forever and ever. When Jesus said it's finished, he was speaking to so many different people. But unfortunately, we have believed the lie. That you know what? I'm finished. No, no, you're not finished. You, you, your best days, listen, your best, I don't care how good your days have been, your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. And we can know that and believe that and let that change us. Three truths, three lies 
three things that the enemy tells us over and over and over again. As we kind of really wrap up this whole series, we've talked a lot about accepting these lies and not accepting the lies and where the lies come from and all these things. We've talked about specific people. We've talked about specific situations and circumstances. We've even talked about, you know, believers versus non-believers. And, and here's the thing. I, I, I have some bad news, okay? I really do. I, I just can be honest with you. Now, you got to understand something. To have some really, really good news, you got to have some really, really bad news. So there's good news coming, okay? But there's some bad news too. You see, I told you as we started this, these are lies that we can accept or deny and accept the truth if we're believers. Because here's, here's the thing, listen. I, again, this is some bad news. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's bad news. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you are finished. You are guilty. You are cursed. I'm sorry. Don't, this is what scripture tells us. I mean, if, if those things weren't true, then why would Jesus have come? We're getting ready to, to move into a season where we celebrate the coming of Jesus, of, of Advent. We're starting Advent next week. Advent is here, and, and, and we celebrate it because we were guilty. We were cursed. We were finished. So if, if we haven't accepted Jesus, these things are things we deal with every single day. We may not always understand what's happening, but these things are true. The truth are the truths for those that have accepted Jesus. Remember, we go back and we understand who sets us free. It's the Son. Now, if we've accepted Jesus then the truths matter and we can use those truths to combat the lie and we can accept the truth and reject the lie. But if we don't know him, then unfortunately these things are very, very true. In this instance, the enemy is telling basically the truth. Weird way to put it. And that's some really, really bad news. But if there's really, really bad news, then there can be really, really good news. And the really, really good news is you don't have to be finished. You don't have to be guilty. You don't have to be cursed. But listen, you can't do it alone. Remember what Jesus says. You're a slave to sin. All of us are. Only a son. Only someone who isn't a slave of sin can bring freedom and true freedom to those that are. Only Jesus can remove our guilt and make us free. Only Jesus can take away our curse and instead make us blessed and favored. Only Jesus can take the fact that we may think we're finished and that finish will eventually end when death and instead tell the enemy and our sin that they are finished and that we can have life. As we conclude all of this, listen, the whole title of the whole series, for this reason alone, was for this next point. It was called Accept No Lies. Believe No Lies. Well, here's the deal. If, if we're saying one thing, don't do something, 
it's usually a good idea to say, okay, then what do we need to accept? And it's very simple and it's very easy. Accept no lies, but do accept Jesus. Accept Jesus. Accept the truth that Jesus offers. Because here's the deal. Here's what I've learned. You can't find a middle ground here. I, I, I don't know why this has just been coming to my mind over the last like three or four months, but it just comes, comes over and over and over again. And I, I don't know if I've even said it here. I know I've said it to individuals and things like that, but, but, but if I haven't said it here, I'm going to. Listen, when it comes to these things, there is no Switzerland. A lot of people think they can be Switzerland. What's Switzerland? Switzerland's neutral. Switzerland's, I, I'm not going to go join the Germans, but I'm also not going to go join the Allies. I'm neutral. I'm in the middle. I don't have to choose. Listen, guess what? When you believe that, you believe the lie. You can't be Switzerland. Jesus says you'll serve one, you'll love one, or hate the other. You may think you are, but you're not. You either are going to live accepting the truth, or you're going to live accepting a lie. There's just no middle ground. And I don't know if God has just placed that on my heart. I, I don't know why. But I think we have to understand that, folks. Listen, you are going to be spending some time with some family members over the next week more than likely or over Christmas break or, or you know, or during Christmas time. Listen, of people that are going to think, I can be Switzerland. I, I don't have to really choose one way or the other. Listen, when you do that, you're making a choice whether you understand it or not. You're accepting the lie, you're accepting the father of lies, or you're going to either accept the truth and the father of truth. One way or the other. So how? What do we do? How do we, how do we turn this really, really horrible news into what Scripture calls good news? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 10. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10, this is what he says. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. You will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Hallelujah. You know, Here's the thing. Why is it such good news? I mean, listen, I, I think it's good news because it's just an amazing news. It's, it's, it's freedom for the captive. It's, it's rescue from those that are lost. It's amazing news. But one other reason I believe it's so amazing is God didn't basically say, okay, you got to do this and also get on your knees and walk from here and get on your knees and go from here to Kansas City. Because then you'll show me you're serious. Then you'll show me you're real. Then you'll say, hey, you know, then, hey, or you know what? You got to go be a missionary over in Africa. And you, once you've done that for five years, then Romans 9, or excuse me, Romans 10, 9 through 10, then it's valid. No. Believe and confess. That's what God has. You want to accept the truth and not the lie? This is how. This is what God has done for you and for me. Let's all... Close our eyes. Let's bow our heads just, just again so we can be focused. I remember when I was a kid and 
the pastor would ask that or the children's pastor and I'd, I'd be the kid always looking around. But I kind of realized at that moment as I got a little bit older how holy and special this moment is. Because in these moments where we have an opportunity to respond to what God has done and what God has said, um, these are special moments. These are moments where people literally are transformed from death into life. It's where they literally say no to the lies of the enemy and instead embrace the truth. And so I just have a simple question. We're to break this down into really two parts. But first, for those that, that do believe that you could claim the truth in these, these things, but you would say, you know what, Aaron? Um, these repetitive lies I've, I've been accepting. I, maybe one, maybe all three, I don't know. And, and this morning you would say, you know what, Father? I need help to accept the truth. I need help to accept the truth. And here's what's great. God will help us. God will, God will walk with you on that journey and help you. Now, you know, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to have issues and things like that. But you know what? God is good. He's merciful and forgiving. And he'll help us every time and every step of the way. But sometimes it's really important that we acknowledge that we've accepted a lie. Okay? Don't, listen, don't be like the people we read about in John 8 that literally looked at Jesus and said, we've never been slaves. That's ludicrous, okay? It's crazy. Don't be like that. It's okay to admit to our Father that we've still got some warts that we're trying to allow him to help us with, okay? And when we do that is when we can get some, some freedom because basically we're acknowledging the truth of our state and the truth of where we're at. And then we can allow the truth of his healing power and forgiveness to come and make us, make us new again. Okay? This morning, don't miss that. Whatever that is, whatever one of those truths or lies, maybe all of them, maybe one, maybe, a, maybe God right now is speaking something through his Holy Spirit to your heart that was not one of the three. And that's awesome. Let him speak. Goodness sakes, let him speak. And he wants to show you another lie that you've accepted that he wants to bring some truth into and some freedom into and some favor into and some life into, okay? That's the first thing. But for the second thing, Maybe you were sitting there, and when I started this whole thing, basically, and I said, listen, this is for believers, you went, uh-oh. Well, what am I going to do? And I told you, I said, just wait, just wait. Well, it's your time now. And whether you're online or here, I'm speaking specifically to you. And I want you to understand something. This is not an accident. I don't believe in coincidences. It's impossible to believe in coincidences when God basically says, I've got it all written out, okay? He's got a plan. The plan is in place. Coincidences don't happen when plans are in place and working. This is not a surprise to God. God knew you would be here. And God prepared you and prepared me for decades for this moment. 
And God is asking you, do you want to live in truth? Do you want to claim the promises that I have for you? That you are free from sin and death. You are blessed and favored. You are and can be mine. If you want that to happen, we just read in Romans 10 how that takes place. It's not stand on your head and do the hokey pokey. It's believing and confessing that Jesus is who he says he was, that he died, he rose again, and you believe that he is God's son. If you will do that, everything I said this morning immediately becomes true about you. In fact, even more so. Scripture says you're a brand new creation. All the old is gone. It's wiped away. Behold, all things are new. If you want that, God is here. And God desperately wants you to come home to him. You. Yeah, I get it. With all your faults, with all your screw-ups, with all your mess-ups, you. He doesn't want to wait for you to try to clean up because you can't do it. He doesn't want, to, he doesn't want you to try to do this or that. You're a slave to sin. There's only one person that can set you free. And his name is Jesus. It's not more money. It's not a bigger car. It's not a perfect relationship with this person or that person. It's not praise of man. It's him. It has always been him. And it will always be him. And so if that's you this morning, we're going to pray as a family and as a group. Every single one of us. Because it's good, and I've said this before, it is good for believers of Jesus to once again proclaim who Jesus is in our hearts and in our lives. It's good to speak that out in the air. It's good to remind the enemy, you know what? You're finished. I'm not finished. You're finished. I'm not cursed. You're cursed. I'm blessed. I'm favored. I'm an adopted son or daughter. So this morning, we're going to proclaim that as a family. And whether it's your 150,000th time or it's your first, God hears it. And God will make you brand new. So first, we're going to pray for those that are dealing with some sin. And then we're all going to pray together. And we'll repeat after me. Okay? So Father, we come to you right now and we do thank you. God, we thank you that, that, yeah, the enemy comes and he brings lies. And he's the father of lies. But Jesus, you bring truth. And I, I, I don't know a lot in life, but I do know this. The truth is greater than the lies. When we accept the truth, the lie dies. 
And so this morning, God, for those that have followed you and know you and believe you are who you said you are and have accepted your love and your grace and forgiveness, Father, but yet at the same time have been accepting a lie of the enemy, God, and right now in the name of Jesus, we proclaim truth over the lie. Father, we say and cry out with authority, enemy, you have no place here. Enemy, your lies are worthless. The enemy, your lies don't hold water because our God is the God of truth and you are the God of lies and we will not accept your lies anymore. And instead, we will claim and hold on to the truth that is our Lord and our Savior, ultimately Jesus. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us in lies, but yet you brought us the truth in so many ways. Now, let's all pray together as I lead us. Dear Jesus, we love you. We thank you for coming and being the truth. So right now, If I never have, or if I have many times before, I claim that Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that you are God's son, that you died for my sins, and that the price of my sins has been paid. And that three days later, you rose again. And you are alive today. And because you rose, and because you will live forever, I can too. So I accept your love. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your mercy. I accept your grace. I believe you are the Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world and my sin. I love you and I thank you I now know I am a part of your family. I am saved. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we just thank you so much for this moment and this time. Father, I don't know if someone here accepted you right now, but God, you do. I don't know if there's people online right now that are accepting you or there are going to be people that are accepting you this week or two years from now. God, that is not the issue. The issue is that right now I believe there are people that have entered, gotten away from the death of this world and instead have entered into your life. Sins have been forgiven. People have been made new because of what you have done for us. And so, Jesus, we thank you. God, for those that are dealing with lies and have accepted them, Father, we pray again that those lies would just die and they would go back to hell where they came from. And instead, we would be people of truth and people that claim the truth 
live in the truth and proclaim the truth. You are so good and we love you so much. Thank you for this time and these moments. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Now listen, do me a favor, okay? You know, for those that are online, you can get a hold of us. You can email the church. You can call the church. Um, church office <laughs> will be closed this week for Thanksgiving, but leave a message, okay? Or email me, or even if you're here. And if you accepted Jesus, you need to tell somebody, okay? It's important that you tell people, okay? And maybe you came, you know, you could tell people in your family, that's great. But also, will you do me a favor? Will you tell me? And the reason why I want to know is I want to be praying with you and for you okay? I promise I'm not going to bring you up here on stage and make you, you know, do a dance, okay? It's so that, that I can know and be in prayer for you, check with you, and make sure, you know, give you some, some help as you start this new journey of your life, which is so important. So even if you're online and you call, like, in March next year, say, hey, I just happened to watch this video from right before Thanksgiving, and I gave my life to Jesus. Give me a call. Give us an email. And, and let us help you. Let us join with you on this journey. You say, well, Aaron, I'm, I live in, in, in California or I live in Illinois. I, listen, get a hold of us anyway. I can help you get in, in touch with maybe a church there that can minister to you and help you and be a part of your journey. It's not about necessarily this place becoming famous. It's about Jesus becoming famous and his kingdom growing, okay? That's what we're after. So again, if something special happened, please share it. We want to celebrate with you and let me know, okay? So again, thank you so much for being with us this morning. For those that are online, good to, uh, good to have you with us. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you and happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.